really feeling a resurgence of Katie Weaver's secret baby advice. For anyone who doesn't know, Katie Weaver used to be the New York Times, like, work friend, which is a column where you write in for work advice. Or like, you know, like, oh, my boss keeps hitting on me, what do I do? That type of thing. And early on in quarantine times, she wrote a response to somebody who was like, I have a faraway colleague who I don't talk to that much, and I didn't mention that I was having a baby, and then time went by, and it was too awkward to not mention that I had this baby, but now that we're working on working from home, he clearly can tell I have something. I think he thinks it's a cat. And the writer was just like, I don't want to seem insane. What do I do? And Katie Weaver, God bless, bless. was like... There's only one thing you could possibly do, and it is gaslight this man. Yes. Gaslight the fuck out of him. Just be like, what? You didn't know I had a baby, but I surely told you. Yes. She was like, just drop the baby in by name, and most likely he will be too embarrassed to admit he did not know about your child. He will second guess, like, every conversation you've ever had being like, oh my god, how did I not know she had a child? Exactly. And... When I initially read this, I sent it to everyone I knew because it was perhaps the funniest thing I had read in many weeks. And for some reason, earlier this week, we were, oh, because Roxanne Gay took over. And I was like, this is very exciting. But then we were just reminiscing about how fantastic that one column was. Yes, the advice she gave was so perfect. I felt my soul leave my body. (laughs) So if anyone is looking for a laugh, maybe search Katie Weaver's Secret Baby, because I feel like it'll probably come up. Yes, it's so good. Woo, good times. Welcome to Rom Comathon. Uh, I'm Alex. And I'm Kat. And this week, we're talking all about The Parent Trap, a truly absurd movie that is one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, I recognize that this is not fully a rom-com, but we just, we both enjoy the film a lot. We've actually been asked to do it, but it didn't fit in within our old blog rules. But now we're like, ugh, whatever. You know what? Everything is going to hell. Like, let's just do it. What What are rules? I would say I have more feelings about The Parent Trap than I do about, like, at least 120 of the 150 plus movies we reviewed on the blog. That's fair. Even though, truly, how did anyone get themselves into this situation? I know. I remember seeing this movie in theaters when it first came out, and I was like 10, I think, and I just was like, this is the best film I've ever seen. I mean, I had seen like six films, (laughs) so, but this was like one of the first, I don't know, like I really watched mostly cartoons as a child like I was not really into live action shows or films like that much but really yeah I didn't love them but also like you must remember that every almost every film I saw as a child in theaters traumatized me in some way yes I was gonna say compared to the deep trauma of Harriet the Spy or the Great Panda Adventure or or I think it's the amazing Panda Adventure but yes Fly Away Home um (laughs) Little Princess Ooh, Harriet the Spy really did a number on me. <laughs> but I feel like people always think it's really strange that I didn't see a movie in theaters until I was like 10. But listening to your movie going experiences and those of other friends who went as young children, I feel like it's okay. Yeah, like, ooh, Toy Story 1, Pocahontas. Oh my god. I was very 
traumatized by my film going career. And this is like one of the only films that I went and saw in theaters in my childhood that didn't like leave like lingering scars on my psyche in some way. Cool, 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 cool. Which is odd because what happens in this film is extremely traumatic. Well, I wasn't a secret twin, so it wasn't like this was a situation I really found myself in, you know? I was like, when Harriet lost all her friends, I was like, oh my god, what a terrible thing to happen to someone. True, the worst thing one can imagine when one is elementary school age. Exactly. I feel like the older we get and the... And this has probably been happening for the last decade, at least. Like, the older we get and the closer to, like, parent age, you're like, how could you possibly do this? Yeah, that's, like, the whole thing, right? Like, the basic premise of this film is so absurd. Yeah, you're just like, what kind of judge allows this form of custody? But I honestly wonder, like, maybe it was a completely informal situation, and I have a lot of specific questions about it, but maybe one of us should summarize the plot. Okay, sure. I I will. Okay. For anyone who doesn't know, which feels like it should be no one, but sure. Yes. Well, I mean, like, maybe some people. I mean, like, Alex had never seen The Parent Trap until I showed her. What? I mean, I don't, you know, she didn't see it. It was one of the very few films that I was, like, shocked that she hasn't seen. This is staggering because she's usually, like, agape at us for not having seen stuff. Like, rightly so. And I just, how has she missed this classic of our times? I don't know. Anyway, so young Lindsay Lohan, in her breakout role, uh, plays a set of twins. Let's call them London Lohan and Napa Lohan. Sure. And they don't know they're twins until they meet at a summer camp. Inexplicably, both sets of parents sent them to the same camp. In probably New England somewhere. I think it's like Maine or something like that. I assumed. Initially, they hate each other because for some reason they don't recognize that they're like the exact like carbon copy of each other. Like they're (laughs) like, oh, this is just a girl that like happens to look like my doppelganger. Okay. But after like being forced to bond, they realize that actually they are twins separated at essentially birth and that they each live with their respective parents. And so they come up with the brilliant plan of switching places so that they can try to get their parents back together. Despite having no information about this relationship, why or how it ended, really anything. Yeah, because their parents told them extremely little, starting with the fact that you have a secret twin out there. Yep. Yep. So the Lohans switch places and uh, and off they go to their uh, other families. Um, they, they go off, they discover obviously that each of those parents is wonderful in their own way. But there is a snag in their plan when Napa, well, actually London Lohan goes back to Napa and discovers that Dennis Quaid, their like chili eating, slightly grubby father who has millions of dollars because he owns a vineyard, um, both, both parents are extremely wealthy, that he is planning to marry the 26-year-old publicist that he has met and hired while his daughter was away at summer camp. So in the course of like eight weeks... Uh-huh. And London Lohan is like, ah, shit, uh, I, I gotta call, but I gotta he, call. She's like, oh, I'm not in a great position to sabotage this because I've only known this man for 24 hours. Yes, like, fair enough. Oh, yeah, not to mention the fact that he introduces his 11-year-old daughter to this woman, like, after, like, immediately after she arrives home. Yeah. 
thinking that'll go well. Meanwhile, like, Napa Lohan is having such a great time bonding with mom, all of that, uh, but then recognizes the seriousness of the situation and is like, okay, I'm gonna tell her and bring her out to California. So she does. She admits to this, lies a bit, uh, saying that uh, Dennis Quaid is excited to see them again, but in actuality, Dennis Quaid has literally no idea. Yep. Oh, and their mother is played by the late Natasha Richardson. Um, so anyway, the four of them run into each other at a fancy hotel in San Francisco. Accompanied by their respective servants, by the way. Yeah. The nanny housekeeper that Dennis Quaid has employed their entire lives. And the butler, who I'm not sure how long he's been employed, but yes, has certainly grown up with London Lohan. Yes. Or... Rather, London Lohan has clearly grown up with him. And so, the, and oh, and the fiancé, Dennis Quaid's fiancé is also there with her yes, parents. Yes, Elaine Hendricks. Oh, her mom played the gold-digging girlfriend in the first parent trap. Which is delightful. Yes, which I have seen but don't know nearly as well. Oh, I've never seen that one, actually. I think I've seen it once, but I might be lying. Anyway, so they run into each other at the hotel. There's obviously, like, lingering feelings from both Dennis Quaid and Natasha Richardson because they their their marriage ended in the heat of the moment, really. And they're, they were very young and foolish, as we'll discuss. Yes. But despite these weird lingering feelings and the twins setting them up on, like, a weird date on a yacht, um, you know, they're like, we gotta switch our kids back. But the twins have another trick up their sleeve. They're like, we want to, all four of us, go on the camping trip that Dennis Quaid always takes uh, Napa Lohan on every year before school starts. And they want Natasha Richardson to go as well, or they will keep lying and they won't know which twin is which. So they're intending to all go on this camping trip. Dennis Quaid's fiance is, at this point, like, rightly so like a bit weirded <laughs> out that he is going to go on a three-day camping trip with his twin daughters and his ex-wife yes she's peeved yeah and like she doesn't make a lot of good points in this film but this was one of them so instead natasha Richardson is like well why don't you take my place essentially yeah she tricks the would-be stepmother into going on this camping trip. Yes. Where obviously the children terrorize her. Yes. They are fucking horrible to this woman. Um, And at the end, though, she does issue the world's weirdest ultimatum and tells Dennis Quaid, (laughs) it's them or me. And what what did you think was going to happen, lady? So anyway, they come back sans their, sans Dennis Quaid's fiancé. I don't know. Did they just leave her? Like, what happened? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dennis Quaid obviously, like, wants to, like, start things again with Nat- Natasha Richardson. But she's like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, we shouldn't, like, start things, blah, blah, blah. And Natasha Richardson and London Lohan go back to London. But upon arrival, um, it turns out that Dennis Quaid and Napa Lohan had taken a Concord and beaten them there because they were like, we don't want to le- let you leave again. And they get back together. And kiss for a shockingly long time. Yeah. Yeah, they really do. I had forgotten that this children's movie ends with like a good minute of them making out. Yeah. And it's implied in the credits that they get remarried. And figure out their lives. Yes. Yes. Which I have no idea how they did that, by the way. No. Where are they living? 
it's not real. It doesn't really seem convenient for them to uproot either of their lives. So I don't know. But they clearly both have millions of dollars. I would like to bring up before we get into the many questions we must address about this premise that I, at one point when they were going camping, was like, oh, I wonder where this was shot. And so I was looking at the locations afterward and found like the cinema review article about production. And there was a lot of interesting like little stuff about Lindsay Lohan's wonderful performance as both twins, like little things like shuffling cards differently as each twin or the type of costume style that they chose for each character. But a quote I particularly enjoyed was the maybe production designer or something in that family saying, we all agreed to make it a world that doesn't have problems. (laughs) There are always flowers and beautiful things. The environment is trouble free, a fairy tale kind of place. And first of all, this film was half done by Nancy Myers. So obviously it was a problem free world already. Yes. But I found that particularly noteworthy because it was also surrounded by these quotes from the cast and stuff kind of being like, oh, like basically everyone's living their dream life. After splitting up this marriage in their youth, uh, both Dennis Quaid and Natasha Richardson clearly went on to live their best possible professional life. And the only thing missing is the half of the family that they have, you know, abandoned. Yeah, so... It's astonishing. Now that you mention it, I'm like, okay, you're right. Like, maybe this was like an informal custody settlement because what kind of judge would be like, yes, this is fine. Just like take, like, take one of them and go. I was a little bit like, did they sign away parental rights to the other child, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not even that that gets me the most. Let's go back a little bit earlier. Here's what theoretically happens. A young Dennis Quaid and a young Natasha Richardson have like a whirlwind romance and similarly a whirlwind divorce. But it doesn't even seem to be a very formal divorce. It seems like they got in a fight. They were probably fighting a lot. They had babies, like understandable. And Natasha Richardson, uh, there's a reference to a fight where she's mad at him and maybe threw a hairdryer. And then he's like, about that day that like you packed and left, like what happened there? And she literally says that she expected him to come after her and he didn't. But here's the thing. How did this work? Did she only leave once? Did she fake leave and then return for a child? Which one? How did you choose which child? Was it just the closest kid to the door? Like maybe she just like picked one up and was like, up, oh, good enough. And the way the twins find out that they're definitely each other's twins is that each has half a photo from when their parents like met and got married on the boat. And it's like, I don't understand. Like, I'm angry at my husband. I'm departing our home. I'm grabbing one child. And for good measure, I'm going to rip this picture in half and it will be the one thing we remember you by. Yeah, who knows how that happened. <laughs> oh, also, when when you say whirlwind, like, we must emphasize it is whirlwind. Like, within a matter of, like, eight days on a boat, they met and got married. Yes, and then, like, the Chiron is literally, like, 11 years and nine months later, so they immediately got pregnant, which, to be fair, the Chiron's definitely wrong, like, the it's been longer than that because the kids are turning 12 soon, but regardless, understandable that this didn't work out for them. Yes. Although, frankly, they're so incompatible, but also remarkably compatible because they somehow sent their children to the same camp. 
Yeah, I must say, though, that if you are considering, I mean, in the future, of course, an overseas voyage, and you meet someone on the first night, and then you're thinking by the second night, maybe I should marry this person in the hot second. Maybe, like, just take a second Don't. and just, like, you know, breathe. Like, maybe you Don't. can wait until you reach land. Don't. Otherwise, you might find yourself fated to have twins run off with only one of them, become fabulously successful, and then be parent-trapped back into getting together with your ex by your child. Your child who's going to need so much therapy. Seriously. Also, somehow these children each have, like, a locket given at birth, which A, seems dangerous, and B, like, it would not fit anymore. Okay, so let's start from the beginning, okay? Because I have some questions. So... They get, so again, they get sent to this, like, summer camp, right? Um, this camp for girls, and, which there only seems to be, like, two staff members. And they're horrible staff members, but we'll get to that. Yes. Um, like, as I pointed out in my summary, surely there would have been a camp rumor that there were, like, two girls who looked exactly alike but weren't supposedly related. I have to say, I didn't find this that implausible because it seems to happen very early in camp and they clearly, like, at first think they are the same child, which has happened to me. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, if you've, you know, if you go to college in the dining hall, you see one twin, you see the other twin. I Sometimes it's a couple of weeks before you realize they're two different people. Oh, yes, my neighbors. Oh, 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 that's true. Yes. That, you had a moment true. of confusion, but... Yes, I did not realize that there were twins until I one day saw them in two different outfits within a few minutes of each other. <laughs> Indeed. So at first, I want to say, you know, no fault to the camp. This could happen to anyone. Yes. But then they meet and become enemies. And people are like, whoa, how odd that these girls look so alike. They don't just look so alike. They're identical yes like and some identical twins don't even look that alike but these twins played by one actress are literally identical is fencing a normal camp activity i don't know because they're like they meet they kind of like have like a standoff like and they meet while they're while they have like a fancy bout and they're both like basically equal matches for each other and then they like take off their like fencing helmets or whatever and then they're like gasp but I was like, do a lot of 10-year-olds know how to fence? They both know how to fence and pretty well? Yes, it's unexpected, but there's a lot going on at this camp. Like, it feels like the children at this camp are poker prodigies. Yes. And also budding engineers. Yeah, they're bringing so... Oh, by the way, I was like, <laughs> why would you bring so much money with you to a summer camp? I mean, I guess you can buy things at, like, the little shop or whatever. I was like, I guess I accept this. But these are children. Yes, London Lohan and Napa Lohan have, like, a poker showdown in one of their cabins with, like, by the way, a bunch of different currency on the table, which I found was, like, a cute touch. Um, But... Sure, I guess they both happen to play poker, but it seems like before Napa Lohan arrives, London Lohan is sweeping the floor with her cabin mates. So do all these children know how to play poker? No, I think the implication was be based on when they first get to camp and Napa Lohan meets her new friends. She like asks them, do you guys know how to play poker? And she's like, nope. Oh, we're going to have a like, how much cash did you bring with you to camp? Which indicates to me that many of the other children do not know how to play poker. They were taught how to play poker 
And so they un- teach them and then clean them out. Yes. Unfairly, I must add. But, you know, I feel they're 10 like, or 11. Maybe poker aside, it's worth mentioning that Annie, London Lohan, is a nice normal child. And Hallie, Napa Lohan, is a criminal mastermind. Yes, it's true. Um, as their prank war escalates. Okay, so let's skip the pa- skip the prank war, you know, shenanigans, movie shenanigans. They pull, or Hallie does, like the uh, Napa Lohan, plays, pulls this crazy prank where she basically, like, just destroys her twins' entire cabin and her cabin mates. The, the only two staff members uh, at this camp get involved in this and then this ends up with the twins being sent to an isolation cabin for punishment two things about this isolation cabin first of all when matt and i were watching with his friends he goes this seems ideal and i said that reaction explains why we're not doing that badly in quarantine fair but my second, my my big concern about this isolation cabin, first of all, it's hilarious, but like they're so unsupervised, but then they hatch the plan to switch places while in isolation, and then they never seem to return to a normal cabin. Were they punished by being isolated for the remaining like seven weeks of camp? Yeah, that's kind of what it seems like. Like this is such an inappropriate punishment. Like, first of all, it doesn't, they clearly didn't inform any parents they said nothing they force the rest of the campers to march with the twins to go mob scene yeah to go to the isolation cabin which first of all seems like you know a little ways removed from everything which would make sense but the fact that they were like i don't know cersei lannister shame walked um to this cabin seems like really insane this is nuts and then there are literally no counselors anywhere near them. Yes, it does seem like they're, like, miles in the woods. But, like, they're they're technically still, like, eating with the rest of the camp, just albeit at their, at like, At an isolation table. table. Yeah. So they must not be that far away. But they're, they're 11. Like, you can't leave two 11-year-olds in a cabin by themselves. Forever. That's why they ended up piercing the other one's ears. I was going to say, like, even if you were like, oh, maybe there are counselors nearby, they're obviously awful at their jobs because no one comes to check when they pierce each other's ears and London Lohan lets out, like, an ear-splitting scream. When I was working at a camp, I literally had a cabin full of 11-year-olds. Like, could I have imagined, like, leaving them by themselves? No. No. No, no. That is a lawsuit waiting to happen. Potentially is happening because they were so bad at their jobs. There's a lot going on at this camp. There's a little joke at the beginning where a boy has accidentally attended this girl's camp. And I was like, it's a little weird that they let him stay. Yeah. Who knows? But, you know, this is a dated movie. And two big things was I was like, I wonder how many camp names camps have retired their like Navajo type cabin names. Yes, that's true. And also Leonardo DiCaprio as like the heartthrob of the moment really tells you like exactly when this movie was made. I know, even though I let's all say it, Napa Lohan is a lesbian. She's a <laughs> this baby was lesbian. brought up during our viewing, and I was like, this is a shockingly popular opinion. <laughs> yes. She's I think well, I think it's just like we've all accepted it. We're all like, we're all like, yeah, yeah, that's right. She's a lesbian. But some of it is because Napa Lohan's signature style is, like, 20 years older than London Lohan's signature style. 
Yeah, except that they've inexplicably put, like, London Lohan, a child, into, like, 30 pantsuits. <sighs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I just always accepted it because she's British. I know, right? So, anyway. Pinafores, pantsuits, sure. Do you not think, though, as Natasha Richardson, if your daughter came back from a summer camp, which you know was miles away from any tattoo parlor, Claire's, like, any kind of (laughs) piercing situation, that you would be like, you have returned with pierced ears. So, did this camp have a specialist on premises i was not informed that someone was going to punch holes in my daughter's ears i would sue in order to get anything pierced before the age of 18 you generally need a parent present so which would lead me to assume correctly that another child pierced my child's ear (laughs) in which case it's remarkable they're healing so well and again i would sue because of the lack of Adult supervision. Yes, she does return with a new haircut, which is less concerning, but the pierced ears really are like, ooh. And mom just kind of takes it in stride. She's like joking. She's like, any tattoos? Thank God, no. Although, like, wouldn't put it past this camp. Yeah, seriously. Like, what if they had been like, ooh, yeah, let's just do a stick and poke right here. No, no, no. I would like to say. Yeah. In terms of scenes that I love, I mean, there's other stuff to talk about, maybe. I would like to say that although this premise is completely ludicrous, it is quite moving when each child meets their missing parent. Yes, it's very, very sweet. Actually, one of my favorite moments, or like tiny scenes, is when Hallie... Um, Napa Lohan goes back. I think everyone knows their character names. When Hallie goes uh, to London and she's on the plane and she says, like, she's talking to herself and she says, please like me. Um, Oh, my God. That is it's such a heartbreaking, like, wonderful scene. Like, this movie is crazy, but this scene is so good. It's like the tiniest thing. It's so emotional. Like, each of them is so desperate for approval from the parent that they, like, thought about their whole lives and never known anything about. And... When she arrives and hugs her mom, she says, like, I've missed you so much. Yeah. Which is very upsetting. I may cry. I know. Like, what a fucked up thing to do to your child. (laughs) And then, like, the parents, like, Natasha Richardson's face when Hallie, like, crawls into bed with her and tells her the truth. Yes, how but okay i i just i can't we can't get more into like the intricacies of the premise because like what (laughs) there's a lot of little moments around that that are surprisingly moving but i would also like to raise the question of how are there so many other adults who knew about this and let it happen Yeah, they were all like, oh, yeah, this seems fine. Like, this is okay. This arrangement is normal. Yes, like, Chessie, the nanny, clearly knew both babies when they were little because she and mom know each other. And I I just feel like maybe she should have called Child Protective Services (laughs) or encouraged them to work out an arrangement. (laughs) But to be fair, maybe she's not comfortable having that conversation. But what about grandpa? Grandpa knows. He's like, say hi to your dad. Cheerful wave as they get on the plane. Like, 
Yeah, all these people were okay with the fact that they would just like never meet that other child, like never have a relationship with that. They were fully prepared to go into like the rest of their lives, like not knowing. Like when were they going to be like, maybe we should tell them about their secret twin. Like maybe we should throw that curveball in. 11 is old enough. You know, like if you were going to do this, maybe you want to reveal this when they're like four or five. Yeah. Much like when kids start to learn about being adopted and things like that. What's wild to me is that after the parents meet up in San Francisco, they literally have a conversation where they're like, well, they know about the other one now, so we can't like keep this going. And it's like, yeah, yeah, think. Did you, how long did you think this was going to go on for? Like indefinitely? And each parent really does seem, you know, there's a lot of like, oh, I've thought about you every day. Did you never think like, oh, maybe I should call my ex and we should be like, were we a bit rash 11 years ago? Oh, God. But in the vein of like how each child feels about their um, unfamiliar parent, I do love the little touch of when the evil fiance although is she evil but when the evil fiance gives the ultimatum and dennis quaid easily is like obviously my children not you you psycho (laughs) that the twins are in the tent and one of them like looks at the other in shock and clearly it's like annie is surprised that dennis quaid would choose them but hallie who was raised by him obviously is not yeah yeah it's moving that's a good touch let's talk about meredith blake yes okay so easily one of the best like Disney low, villains. Yeah, like I guess like low anxiety movie villains. <laughs> yes. Hilarious child movie villains. Yeah. I think it's so funny now watching the movie that she's like, oh, I'm 26, and I'm like, you're 20. She just still seem always seems older to me. She I I think we all had the same reaction, and I Googled in the moment and she was 28 when she at, in 1998 I or mean, so yeah. like I probably mean, look, 26 27 when she filmed yeah there are like 26 year olds who look like that i just am like wow i i feel like in comparison i look like i'm 15 but okay yes um we are now in our 30s and we still probably look younger than elaine hendrix in this film yeah it's not to say like she looked old or anything i think it was just the presentation no, no, of no. meredith yes her like level of style her level of sophistication not her appearance she looks great yeah Anyway, so she is clearly like, you know, gold digging, kind of like that sort of situation. But you know what, Meredith? Good for you that you found a sucker millionaire who wanted to marry you within a hot second. Like, clearly he has a track record because he, like, proposes to this woman in what feels like a matter of weeks. Yes. I mean, let's just say it. Dennis Quaid makes bad decisions. He He married one woman on a boat. And is prepared to marry this other one that he hired as his publicist. It's it's not a great look. And the fact that within minutes of his daughter arriving home, he's like, come out to the pool. There's someone I want you to meet. Maybe wait like two days. Yeah, like I feel like if I'm a child, I would be like, dad bought me another horse. Yeah. Okay, maybe not by the pool, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> they have such a nice house and the London house is so beautiful. I know. It's like, what wouldn't I give to quarantine here? I know. I have to say, though, um, I was saying this to Alex, that I feel like the look of this film has really aged well because Nancy Myers picked two extremely timeless looks for the houses. Like, they look appropriately rich, but not like, it, it looks like it could be like 2020 houses, you know? 
Yeah, I saw like a charm in, in when I was reading about production locations. It was cute because she was kind of being like, well, if you're going to write, like, why not set things places that you want to go? And she was saying that she really wanted one essentially like rural situation or not rural, but like middle of nowhere, beautiful yeah. uh, nature-y look, which is Napa. And then she basically said that to her, the best big city is London. Yeah, yeah. That London house is fucking enormous for London. And I was like, this must be family money because I cannot imagine that Natasha Richardson was like doodling like gowns to someday design on napkins 11 years ago and now is making enough money to like buy that massive townhouse. It must be grandfather's money. Yes, I get the sense that I mean, you, we clearly get the sense that grandpa is rich anyway, but I would dispute whether Natasha Richardson is not making that much by now because wedding dresses are extremely expensive. It's true. And she's clearly sought after. She's living some kind of like Vera Wang type existence because Meredith, uh, the fiance, wants one of her dresses. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I just was like, this This house is millions and millions of dollars like i a quick rise yeah like i i was like i would be like surprised you know and it sounds like they've been living in the house for a long time yeah so that's true i assume it's grandfather's money yeah she has that vibe like he has the vibe that he may not have been wealthy when they met but she probably always has been yes although they were both wealthy enough to be on this boat that's true that's true. It's not like they were, like, impoverished. They're, Dennis I, Quaid seems to... No, go on. Sorry. They, well, I don't think it. it's like a Leo DiCaprio, you know, like, <laughs> she, like gambles his way onto the Titanic kind of situation. That's fair. But we don't know anything about Dennis Quaid's family. Maybe they died young and that's why he had money to go on the QE2. Yeah, maybe. Because they don't seem they, to be bothered to come to the wedding. I know. I love how it makes it sound like they... Um, they both took this boat because they didn't like planes, whereas you think about the Kiwi 2 was like a luxury ocean liner. How much did it cost, I wonder? I don't know. A lot. Like, a lot more than a flight. Watching this movie, I was like, remember the Concorde? (laughs) It's a different time. Yeah. Oh, so this movie also does this thing with a pair of the spare situation um, where they put the nanny and the butler together, the lesbian nanny and the gay butler, like the very clearly gay butler. Yes, I don't think as a child I ever would have necessarily assumed that Chessie is gay. And I don't know that I assume that now. And I guess technically, but Martin, Martin is definitely gay. When we were watching, Matt traumatized me by asking if Dennis Quaid and Chessie had had sex and do you think that they had a lot of it and when? And I was deeply upset because it had never crossed my mind and I just don't want that to be a part of my life. Yeah, I actually had never thought about it either. She's so like, ugh, whatever about him. So yeah, I was like, that's not their vibe. Also, he's her employer. Yeah, it's not good. I don't I don't want that in my life. But nor did I really want her to be with Martin, who clearly should be out at some gay nightclub in his leather outfit. Attire, yes. <laughs> um, but as a child, I might have just been like, well, he's British. I guess I accept this. It's confusing to me. Like, I, this is like one of Alex's biggest points of contention when she watched the movie for the first time. She was like, why are these two obviously gay people being paired together? And I was like, look, it was the 90s, okay? <laughs> yes, they're, they're entering into a lavender marriage. It's all fine. It's okay, it's okay. But yes, truly with Martin, I think by the time I hit puberty, I was like, wait, what? 
But I will say that the reunion between Natasha Richardson and Dennis Quaid at the hotel is very good. It's cute. They're cute. It's very, it's a very well done, like they thought of the appropriate amount of shenanigans for that reunion. It wasn't too much. It was just the right amount of shenanigans. Yes. And honestly, they're both such wonderful actors. Yeah. They play it very nicely. They like run into each other kind of in the elevator or while he's in the elevator, she's outside and then like by the pool and then they have the reveal with their children and it's cute and surprisingly moving. Yeah, it's great. Speaking of these, the, their children are fucking horrible to Meredith. <laughs> Look, Meredith, I will say, and we texted about this, is much too sexual for this movie. <laughs> She is, like, constantly, like, she's, like, unbuttoning Dennis Quaid's shirt and is, like, mm, show a little Chester. I like that. And I was, like, ew, no. And, I mean, as a child, I was, like, ew, no. But, like, for different reasons. <laughs> We're not here to shame anyone for the things they like. We're just saying that in this movie made for, like, eight-year-olds, we were, like, uh-oh. And, like, stop talking to... Lindsay Lohan about the age at which you develop sexual desire. Yeah, like, you must stop, lady. It's inappropriate. She's a child. Also, yeah, she definitely, like, hasn't hit puberty yet. And it's just not okay that Meredith's just here introducing things. But also, it's weird. Although, truly, if Hallie is gay, Meredith could be her sexual awakening. I mean, why wouldn't she be? But anyway, so Cruella, as they call her, is 26. And Dennis Quaid is an unknown age, and Lindsay Lohan seems to think they're very far apart in age, but I'm not sure how true that is, because how young were they when they were on the QE2? How old are they now? That's true. It doesn't sound like they were very old. Like, I would hazard a guess to say, like, early 20s. That's what I thought, too, but that would make them only early 30s now. Is that how old they they are? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Like, they should be, like, mid-30s, right? At least? Yeah, I would say at least. Okay, so let's say that they met in their mid-20s. But regardless, like, Dennis Quaid is maybe potentially less than 10 years older than Meredith. This is not an unreasonable age gap. No, although it is unreasonable that he chose to marry someone after a matter of weeks, regardless of age. Yeah, I mean, like, other other reasons aside, like, what do they have in common? Um, His dick, I guess. Yes, that that is his money is what they have in common. I don't even know if she's that into him. Yeah. Um, Well, she I don't know. She wants him to show a little chest hair. Um, But hilariously, Meredith obviously pulls the usual stepmother, evil stepmother move of being like, I'm going to ship her off to a boarding school in Timbuktu. Yes, she's planning to make coats out of these children. Yes. However, when Meredith finds out about the whole situation, like, she has a reasonable response. Like, she's like, um, when were you going to tell me about the secret twin? Yes, about your other child. And he was like, you know, never. And then when they're going on that camping trip and Meredith is like, what the hell do you expect me to do? I was like, also reasonable. Like, it's weird. Yes, it is a bit weird that his ex that he clearly still has feelings for and their two children are going with him on this camping trip. And it's not like this was like a long-standing tradition that this family had, you know? Yes, if they were like a functional blended family. 
Yeah, it it was like um my ex-wife who just like showed up back in my life who you didn't even know really existed is coming on coming on this camping trip with me. Here's a question. What did he tell her about his personal life? Did he claim to be widowed? Like if they are divorced, Great was he just question. like we're not in touch at all? <laughs> Phenomenal question. What the fuck did he I mean he certainly didn't tell her about the secret daughter. Is it, does he just, like, cast Elizabeth as, like, a deadbeat? Clearly, Meredith isn't smart enough to chat with the housekeeper. Yeah, no, Meredith did went about this the wrong way. Like, you gotta play the long game. You gotta get the staff on your side. You gotta make nice with the daughter. Make your life easy, Meredith. This is Alex's how-to for gold digging. I just think that this is like a shameful attempt at gold digging. Played your cards right, Meredith, and you could be married to Dennis Quaid now. You could have arsenic poisoned him and shipped the daughters off. Who would win, Meredith? You. Oh, no. Well, honestly, though, the ex coming back in is great. She should try to get Natasha Richardson to take both kids. Yeah, exactly. She just... Meredith, ugh. But I see you mentioned arsenic. I honestly would have thought that you would say the obvious, which is that she's chosen much too young a target. No, she has. It's true. Jenna's she really should go for older. Far too healthy. Well, that's why I think she might also be into his dick. All right. I think that when I, upon in this rewatch, I may have missed that chest hair bit, but you're right. Maybe there really is something between them. Yeah, I had forgotten about that bit, and then when I rewatched, I was like, oh, gross. Bomb. <laughs> anyway, she's maybe too villainous for us to be like justice for Meredith, but we could maybe say hashtag some good points for Meredith. Yes, exactly. Also, poor lizard that they're using to torture Meredith with. Is that real? Is it CG? Well, I don't know. Anyway. But either, you know, in in the world of film, (laughs) that poor lizard. (laughs) But at one point, you know, Meredith, um, glossy and fabulous, is like being young and beautiful is not a crime, which is true. Yes, it is true. She's just out there living her life. She did not know she was getting into this mess. She thought it was just one child who maybe wouldn't turn out to hate her. Although she really seems to dislike children. I also think that if you're going to marry someone and you hate children, maybe don't marry someone with children. Or just hide it better, Meredith. (laughs) Like, no one's asking you to be their mother. Yes, clearly. Um, Although, honestly, Dennis Quaid kind of is. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he has a whole thing where he's like, I agree, you need a mom. Welcome this blonde lady that I met yesterday. (laughs) I'm just saying. I wonder what their living situation will be like at the end of the film. I don't know. Like, more reasonable for Natasha Richardson to relocate to Napa, though. Yes. Because, like, what is? otherwise he has to fly back and forth to his venture. Yes, he can't move the vines, but she could ostensibly design anywhere and then just, like, make trips for probably shows and stuff. Yeah. And like back to her studio. Well, the interesting thing about this is, okay, so The Parent Trap, one of three movies that I have on my phone. And then one day I had an epiphany that they're all about like exes who got married really young and then tempestuously divorced and then got back together. What does that say about you and what you want in your life? (laughs) I don't know. But honestly, I think I'm past the age at which you can marry young and tempestuously divorce. So I'm in the clear. You're right. You're right. But so there's this movie. There's Sweet Home Alabama. And there's the Philadelphia story. Uh, yes. So with the Philadelphia story, there's no issue because he clearly moves back to town. Yeah. But with Sweet Home Alabama, they have a similar situation as this, where they each are kind of committed to businesses that are far away from each other. 
But at the end in the photos, it looks like they they do, like, he does relocate somewhere nice, like, to New York. It kind of looks like they're flying back and forth, but it is true that maybe one of them can run their business from afar. Yeah. And they only seem to have a very young child. Whereas, like, with this, though, seriously, like, are they uprooting one twin? I think, well, it, it seems like both twins are willing to be uprooted in one direction or the other in order to keep their family together. That's probably true. They're old enough to to really value this over... Yeah, whatever ties they have. You know what's very odd for tweens, though? That neither of them seems to have a friend they're confiding in. Yeah, that is strange. They have camp friends. I mean, there's there's each other. Yeah, they have camp friends, but neither of them is like, let me get home and immediately call my best friend to tell her about this batshit crazy thing that happened to me at camp, which is obviously what any normal 11-year-old would do. It's true. It's true. Like, I would have been, like, not even, like, changed before I was on the phone to you. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Like, shoes still on, running to the landline in the kitchen, because that's the time we were living in. But yes, it, it I think probably makes most sense for them to relocate to Napa. Okay. Yeah. But like, I thought about this. Well, no, they probably go both go to private school anyway. Yeah. And then I assume that they go like back and forth between London and Napa, you know? Yeah. So that, that makes sense. I would much prefer to be in London. But yes, as an adult. Yeah. Do you think London Lohan also knows how to ride horses? She does. Because I guess she's just there and she's like, oh, I'm totally fine with this. Yeah, because she like, she, she knows, she not only knows how to ride a horse, she rides that horse well enough to beat Dennis Quaid in a horse race. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so special skills for these children. They're tiny card sharks. They're engineering geniuses because they can get stuff onto, like, the roof and, like, (laughs) rig up huge, disastrous pranks. They can both horseback ride. And fence. And fence. And Annie speaks French. Yes. Yes. She speaks French so well that she gets upset and switches into French. Do you think she's educated in French? I think that she, it sounds like she's been like going, like having like French tutors since she was very young because she's essentially fluent in French. And for some reason, she then, so she gets upset in front of Dennis Quaid and starts speaking French and he's like, what? Uh, and she's like, I learned it at camp. And you're like, oh, no follow up to that. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow like weeks go by, not weeks, at least days go by. And he, I don't understand how he has this obvious stranger in his home for so many days admittedly he's preoccupied i guess by his fiance but not until they do the reveal at the hotel near the end of the movie is dennis quaid like oh my god i've had a different child with me this whole time and it's weird because it i truly feel like they're both horrible parents but they seem to be otherwise good parents it's just this one ridiculous decision they made and apparently their inability to recognize their own child yeah, it's it's very bizarre. You know what I just thought of? Um, this is actually a really good touch, is that I was thinking of the scene where Hallie is talking to Annie from the closet, and she's wearing this, like, pink dress, and it looks so weird on her, because at this point in the movie, they've done such a good job of establishing their individual characters and their individual looks that... That pink dress that would otherwise look normal on Annie looks weird on Hallie, even though they're both played by Lindsay Lohan. It's some Tatiana Maslany orphan black shit, I must say. Every time I watch this movie, I'm so deeply impressed with tiny Lindsay Lohan and her incredible performance as two different people. I mean, like, 
shame. Like, shame for Lindsay Lohan, like, for what's happened to her. But, like, what... She was a really good actress. Yeah, like, I haven't been following, so I don't know what's up to her... What's up with her recently. She may be doing better. But my favorite thing is noticing that the twins are different, like, sort of levels of actress. Like, Hallie, despite a lot of weird stuff going on and getting found out first, is generally, like, doing a better job of playing Annie than Annie is of playing Hallie. Yes. But I also wonder if this is a mistaken impression that I have, because I always feel that way because Chessie the nanny figures her out, like, almost immediately. Yeah, it's wild, by the way, that Dennis Quaid can't recognize his own child, but Chessie the nanny does. It's not wild. It's completely reasonable. <laughs> That's actually true. Um, But I was just like, maybe Chessie is just a more attentive caregiver than anyone in Annie's house. That's fair. Well, I think we can assume that Martin the butler didn't know about the situation. Yes. And thus- and grandfather seems very interested in his pipe and his paper. <laughs> But he's the one who catches her in the end. Yeah, that's true. Well, she's really being really weird, okay? <laughs> but yes, Martin is clearly like the person most in cahoots with the child, but it does seem like, but he literally is like, sounds like your twin, haha. So maybe he was hired after this switcheroo. Yeah. Or not the switcheroo, yeah. but after the separation. Yeah. I was just going to say, I wonder, like, what it was like for Chessie to know all these years that this other baby was out there and to raise this child, knowing that, like, this kid would never know her sister. And, like, I feel like with twin studies, it's always, like, do they always know something's missing? I think it was hard, but, like, what could she do? Like, she was employed by these people. Like, it's, you know, like, as the thing is, is that with both Martin and Chessie, it's, like, as much as this movie is, like, ah, they're one of the family, you're, like, they're still being paid by these folks. They're, they're still servants. We were joking when the twins met in the cabin. It was like, oh, my single parent has a servant. My single parent also has a servant. <laughs> what are the odds? Oh, my God. I was like, wow, these fabulously wealthy people with their help. Okay. I do think it totally makes sense, though, like some of the things that they fail to inform each other, like about like their own eating habits or, yeah. you know, like things like that, that kids wouldn't think to exchange. Although I or like the door opens this way. But I do love when Hallie is in London and she's like, this wine. And the adults are like, uh, okay, that, that's new. And Natasha Richardson is like, LOL, what kind of summer camp did I send you to? But I, I, if I were Natasha Richardson, I would be like, what the fuck? Truly, what summer camp did I send you to? Um, so at the end of the film, when Natasha Richardson and Dennis Quaid reunite and are having their like minute long makeout in front of their children. And her dad, which is maybe yes. even weirder. Do we think that hopefully they got a hotel room for the night? Oh. Oh. I don't know. I hope. Oh, God. I mean, look, I'm just saying that that townhouse, the rooms are a lot closer together than they are at the Napa house, so... Yes. Also, like, frankly... It's like 12 years of pent-up. No. I'm so upset. I mean, like, I assume, like, you know, Dennis Quaid has obviously been getting some. I, I assume Natasha Richardson has maybe got some. Maybe, yes. Although, this movie does have the feeling between Natasha Richardson's performance and uh, the general vibe, like, maybe she never dates anyone. Yeah, which is upsetting and wrong. It is upsetting. Justice for Natasha Richardson's <laughs> sex life. She's beautiful and wonderful, maybe. When I was a child, I confused her with Emma Thompson. Oh, that's so understandable. Yeah. Um, different wonderful actresses. Although, honestly, all British people. <laughs> 
nonstop when we watch British movies, I'm like, oh, it's so-and-so from JK. That's a different human being. Yep, yep. I, I don't know why. I mean, it's a very small gene pool over there, I guess. They were all of the Harry Potters. So. Yes, also because, like, we do rom-coms, so overwhelmingly there's only white people in these movies, and white British people all kind of look the same. Yeah, I actually have this note from when uh, Annie first gets to London, and in the airport you see a shot of, like, three Middle Eastern men, and I'm like, this is the most diversity we'll ever have in this in this Nancy Myers film. Yes, at the end of camp, it suddenly occurred to me to be like, wait, did we see any people of color? And, like, definitely none with lines. And then I was like, well, it's, it's downhill from here because we're going to England and Napa. Yeah. Whew. So, anyway, so we've talked for, like, an hour. Oh, my God. <laughs> we had so much to say. I knew we would. Um, so let's do some, like, favorite lines and favorite scenes. Okay. Um, I've listed a lot of, I think, I think I've mentioned the thing that's most, the most emotional parts to me are mostly when the kids are reunited with their respective parents and they're both so excited. There's a random line that I like, which is when Natasha Richardson has tricked Meredith into going on the camping trip, she says this line that like is kind of a joke, but also kind of heartbreaking, which is her going, starting next week, they're half yours. Yes. Ooh, yuck. Which brings up the question that did Meredith really commission a wedding dress one week before her wedding? Interesting. (laughs) And also that they're in that hotel in San Francisco, which as a child, I always assumed that was where they were getting married. Yes. But she's in fact touring it with her parents and is like, this is where we could do this. And I was like, are you not doing it? I guess they're wildly rich. I mean, it's ludicrous in any way, in any circumstance to be getting married. Like, it's not, it's crazy to me that they get engaged, but it's not impossible to me that they get engaged in this span of time. Yeah. But it is impossible to me that they then put on a huge wedding. Yeah. And the fact that did Meredith not have a wedding dress already? Is she just like, well, I paid 10 grand for this wedding dress, but this other opportunity came up. I mean, she doesn't seem to have one because it seems like maybe they just got engaged like kind of recently. Maybe not. Who knows? Because she was like, I faxed your office, but they said you were out of town to Natasha Richardson. But that doesn't actually make sense because wouldn't you think that the type of person Meredith was would immediately run out and put a wedding dress on hold? Yeah, that implies that she only faxed her office like yesterday. Yes, for a wedding that's happening next week. Next week. Um, but speaking of wedding dresses, uh, there's a cute scene where Natasha Richardson unexpectedly has to work, and she takes fake London Lohan with her to the studio, and there's like a cute little shoot of her with a model, and I would like to say, A, this model looks a bit like Meredith. Yes. B, Natasha Richardson puts her child in charge of choosing between a white hat and a black hat, but who would ever choose a black hat for this situation? But a fun production thing that I assume was deliberate, though we don't know, is like right after that, it goes to Meredith, who's wearing a black hat. Oh, I've never noticed that. That's very, that's, that's clever. And also we see like Natasha Richardson is in white all the time to the point that we made it one of the points in our drinking game. And Meredith, I think after that moment is always in black. Mm. And before that, I think we see her wearing white, but. Yes, she has that one dress with, like, white and the black belt. Yes. The other thing which I think that you would – well, there were a couple, but one thing that I think you would enjoy from our drinking game is anytime Annie has a wholesome crush on her dad. (laughs) Sweet. Um, It's so cute. It is cute. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, I think we've touched on most of my favorite scenes. I guess, like, my, one of my favorite lines is when Dennis Quaid asks fake Napalohan, uh, actually Annie, where he's asking her, like, well, what do you think of Meredith? And Annie is like, <laughs> well, you know, and like, like, well, she's pretty. She can spell the word you. Oh, because right before that, she goes, Y-O-U. And you're like, okay. Yep. And Lady. I was like quite enjoy that i also enjoy when my other favorite part of that is when dennis quaid is like how do you feel about making meredith part of the family and she's like i think it's a great idea you're going to adopt her that's so cute (laughs) yeah that's great i love when natasha richardson is freaking out in advance of traveling to san francisco And she's, like, drinking and smoking and struggling. And her daughter is like, yeah, noon tomorrow. She's like, my, 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 that's incredibly soon. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. I also have one note that just says in all caps, look at this beautiful Nancy Myers orange juice. At one point, I think it's in Napa, she has an extremely orange glass of juice, and it's just the most beautiful She also juice. an extremely large breakfast. Extremely beautiful. Well, it seems like Hallie has a big appetite and Annie does not. Or maybe Annie just doesn't is, like is that Is Hallie food. eating, like, is Hallie eating for a teamster? Like, what is the <laughs> I don't know. You remember how we ate as teenagers. That's Like, true. you'd be surprised how many meals could fit in a growing child's stomach, I feel. But anyway, so I saw the juice first, and then I saw the decanter, and I was just like, it's not a Nancy Myers movie without some beautiful orange juice. Decanted, yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, well, we've gone over our person of color count. Yep. Zero, basically. Uh, yeah. Zero. Um, and, yeah, so what would you rate the film? I have no perspective. Ten million inexplicably separated twins. It's true. Like, despite all our critiques, like, we love this movie. I love this movie. It's perfect. Like, I don't have worsts. Do you have worsts? I don't really... No, I don't have worsts. I mean, the worst thing that happens is Meredith opening Dennis Quaid's shirt. <laughs> I was going to say, is their initial choice to separate these children? But with, without that, we wouldn't have this beautiful, darling movie. Yeah, it's a great film. I have no... I have no worsts. I, what else? I said 10 bad parents. Honestly, like, it's weird because as a romantic comedy, I'm like, maybe we should score it lower because, like, it's not, like, that's not necessarily the main thing that's happening. But I honestly have way more feelings about this movie romantically than about, quite frankly, several of the movies we reviewed. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, they, they do a good job. And they, with the limited amount of time that they spend on the romance aspect of the story, they do a really good job. It's really potent. Like, you believe that they have history. That moment where they're in the cellar near the end and he's basically being like, come on, let's try again. And she's like, no, I can't, is actually very emotional. I have many feelings and no perspective. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a, it's a great film. Uh, This movie meant a lot to me as a child, you know? Like I said, it was the only one that didn't traumatize me. Also, the twins are like, oh, our birthdays are in October. And at the time, I was like the only, like one of only two children I knew who had a birthday in October. And I was like, what? And they're close to my age. This movie was made for me. (laughs) Oh, I honestly think that I might have watched it for the first time at your house. That's possible. It feels very possible. Did you own the VHS? I feel like I have a yes, mental I did. I did. image of this VHS. I think I saw a lot of movies for the first time at your house. Yeah, that's true, because you never went to the movies. Let me live. <laughs> we drove past I the mean, cinema. 
I mean, like, I knew like, they clearly, were there. I, 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 a child who went to the movies, had another, you know, issue. I know. I feel like all my childhood friends were like, and then I saw this, and then Pinocchio got swallowed, and I, I wept, and I had to be removed. And I'm like, maybe it's good that, like, I saw The Lion King at home because I cried so much. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, the intensity of watching a film in the theaters as a child is like, it's it's happening to you. <laughs> sometimes it's too much, okay? Even today, sometimes it's too much. Yeah, so anyway, clearly this movie scores very high. We've had a wonderful time. We hope you've had a nice time. I hope that Meredith Blake found another man to gold dig successfully who had maybe grown children or no children. Yes, I feel like if she went older, the child problem would solve itself. Yeah, Although they fast. might make a bid for the inheritance. Well, she just has to make nice with them. Which I guess seems like a stretch for Meredith, but <laughs> surely. Sure. <laughs> anyway. I'm sympath I'm not like unsympathetic to her cause. She's just trying to make a living. Yeah. Who can blame her? Anyway. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, you know, follow us on social media, uh, Rumcomathon Instagram, uh, Rumcomathon2016 on Twitter. And um, we are looking forward to our next movie. We're watching The Lovebirds finally, finally on Netflix. And excited to see what that's all about. The number of people of color in that movie will make up for this very white film. Uh-huh. Um, and we hope that all of you are staying safe. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you to Hannah Oatman, who composed our theme music, and Alexandra Oatman, who painted our logo art. You can follow Alexandra on Twitter at at Alexandra. Special thanks to Quincy Surasmith for advising us on the art of the podcast. Subscribe to his wonderful podcast, Asian Americana, at wherever you get your podcasts. Want more Romcomathon? You can read past reviews at romcomathon2016.tumblr.com and follow us at Romcomathon2016 on Facebook and Twitter and Romcomathon on Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you. Please subscribe and rate Romcomathon on iTunes. Thank you.